The language in this episode may be offensive to some listeners. Listener's discretion is strongly advised. Don't believe the hype. Read the type. This is Type Beast. Take a look. It's in a book. It's Type Beast, baby. I can get used to this new intro, bro. <laughs> well, this is the next episode of Type Beast, and we're looking at Black Privilege by Charlemagne the God. What was what's the subtitle? Black Privilege. The subtitle is opportunity comes to those who create it okay okay so let me ask you um off the bat as a white guy seeing a book that says black privilege what are you thinking my first instinct is it's a it's a clickbait title um you know he he essentially picked the title in a way that makes you go like wait what are you talking about like this guy's crazy right like you're instantly like uh can i trust this like we that can't be true you know some, something along those lines that just instant it's like the clickbait concept is like i gotta see this i gotta check this out because it's instinctually wrong or instinctually like what is he talking like he, you know it's like you have that term i always call you i always say like for me you i think of that idea of like unpack that Right, like if, if someone was like, if someone said to you, "Oh, I have black privilege," you'd be like, "What? what unpack that. What do you mean?" Because instant instincts are, you know, we've got this term of white privilege in culture, that um, you know what that means, and so and black privilege doesn't fit that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for me, I think I think it's a smart title to get people to read his book. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yes, it's a smart title, but also, um, it almost comes across as, well, not almost it, it, he's, he's making a bold statement that most people would off the cuff say, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's heresy. That's nonsense. You're um, not woke. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and it's, you know, uh, it definitely just it definitely gets you thinking off the bat you know of course judging a book by you know not to judge a book by its cover but i think i think this is a good instance when you know it's good to judge a book by its cover because it's going to force you to think like wait a minute like can and he's making an argument that black people have privilege um and then you know there are people who say there are black people who say you know black people don't have privilege or they call them uh or he calls them um you know you you know the term negative nancy yeah 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 he calls them negative negroes <laughs> so, <laughs> so so he's like yeah every time you know you're trying to do something positive or trying to uplift black people you have negative ne- negroes um or you know or some would say race baiters and people saying well no black people don't have anything that's why we need to fight for something yeah, and I think you know the the, oper- the the subtitle of the book being "Opportunity Comes to Those Who Create It." I think is a that I think is a great point. That um, well, that well touches on free market principles. Well, and it also, bat. but it also to me draws me to that idea of like you know the concept of overnight success. Mm-hmm. Everyone who says they were an overnight success is like, yeah, I spent ten years becoming an overnight success, mm-hmm. right? So like, you gotta work, you gotta put in the effort. 
you know, even as a musician, right? Like, sure, you've got the few people that like, you know, that pull a Justin Bieber and at like 14, but there's still like, you know, it wasn't like he just picked up a microphone at 14 and started singing, right? He was still singing all along. He was still learned to play the guitar or he, you know what I mean? Like there's some, there's still effort that goes into play. Obviously there's some people who are just naturally talented and they, to some extent have a leg up, but you know, there's a, I, what think of professional sports, you know, other than your elite players, the people who are successful are the ones that worked harder than everyone else at their level. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's where this, this subtitle applies universally that like, you create your own opportunities um, because you have to be ready when the opportunity it presents itself. Because mm-hmm. if you're not ready for the opportunity, it doesn't matter, right? Like if you don't have the right experience, if you haven't, you know, learned the right skill, like use a simple example of like, oh, I could get a $25 an hour becoming a forklift driver. Well, if you don't have the, you know, forklift driver certification, you're not going to get the, you can't take the opportunity when, when the job opportunity presents itself. Oh, you want that job? Okay. Go get the skill that you need in order to do that job. Um, and so, I mean, I know I used a simple example, but so, I mean, I would say for you, Darnell, when you read this book, what, first off, what drew you, why, why did you want to read it? And, you know, as your blog post kind of, uh, or your article references what Christians can learn from, you know, what made you read it? And also what made you think that, did you think from the outset that Christians would have something they could learn from this book before you read it? Sorry, sorry. You're asking one, why did you read it? And two, before you read it, did you think you'd be able to pull things that Christians can learn from it? Okay. Well, one, um, I read it because like you, like we said, black privilege. I'm like, okay, well, I thought that wasn't a thing. And what I can, and I really believed that, you know, I'd give it a shot and see, I think you can learn from all types of literature. I think all truth is God's truth. Um, and you can find it in different places, um, pointing back to um, the God of the scriptures. So I, I'm, I was just interested to take it in and I learned a whole lot. Uh, from it hence why i wrote the the blog post what christians can learn from charlemagne the god so for those who who haven't checked it out check it out on my blog uh, high-end theories so you know for i i I, the thing that i find intriguing when you open up the the book his table of contents is not chapters Mm -hmm. it's principles right what did what when you saw that what did you think i know i well well you know the best way to judge a book is by its table of contents. You can learn a lot from it. So the principles was basically uh, kind of like a, a self-help book in a way, maybe gave you that feel, but it was good because, you know, principles for life. So you're, you're basically going through it. And so there were like economic principles, but I also found theological principles. So one of the economic principles was um, he has a, a, a chapter or principle called F your dreams. Um, for those of you without who, the uh censorship but yeah uh, yeah yeah so yeah f your dreams not forget your dreams but f your dreams and basically he talks about people running in the lane that they're supposed to be running so he talks about uh, his journey into stardom as a radio host and he started out as a rapper and 
his um, manager. Well, I, well, there was an instance where he got invited on to do um, to as a guest host on a radio show. He was covering for somebody, and he said, "I never felt more comfortable than on radio and talking to people." Mm-hmm. And well, you know, when the show was done, his manager told him, "He's." His manager said to him, "Wow, you're really good at this radio thing. Um, yeah, you're a better radio host than you are a rapper." And he was just like, "What?" He's like, "No, that's that doesn't make sense. I'm I'm a rapper. That's mm-hmm. that's what I do." And his manager said, "You know, f your dreams." Yeah. He's like, "F your dreams," and that was the best advice he ever got because he 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 heeded that advice. He stopped rapping. He went into radio, um, and although it wasn't. Um, stardom uh, overnight success he got fired like three or four times from different radio shows and he always had this principle where he never um you know unpacked at his desk he never keeps his personal stuff at his desk (laughs) never knows when he's got to pick up yeah he's never know but um every time he got let go from a job it led him to being the host of um the breakfast club a nationally syndicated radio show out of new york um Mm -hmm who gets all, you know, the the best guests. And so his progress started with someone in his corner being honest with him and saying like, yo, like, and I know people don't like swearing, but I think the the F your dreams is the right sentiment because sometimes people need to hear that. Well, and, you need that harsh statement that goes like, right. dude, you're not going to be an NBA star. Right. Like you can't bank on that. And, and Get his, your education. Right. And his whole point <laughs> is that, especially for black males, he's coming from the perspective that, a lot of times the dreams they have aren't their dreams. So when they say F your dreams, because he's saying, well, the dreams that you have are not your dreams, but somebody else's. So the fact that you want to be a rapper, you want to be a basketball player, um, entertainment or sports is a dream for most black males. But the only reason why you're dreaming that is because it was Society. somebody else's dream. Yeah. Um, and it's not really what God created you for. Maybe, you know, you were going destined to be a really good accountant. Because nobody ever wants to be, you know, nobody dreams of really being a, a star radio host. Yeah. But it's just something he was naturally good at. So, well, and, and I would say the same thing. Like the accounting point, you know, with me, I remember. So I was in like grade ten. I literally dropped. I had signed up for accounting. I dropped the course, and then like the next day, some girl said some comment about like, "Oh yeah, my dad's an accountant. He makes really good money." And I was like, "Oh." Maybe I should check. Maybe I should. And I went back and picked that course back up because, I mean, I was always good at numbers. I was always good at math. And so it was like, well, maybe I should check this out. You know, at least give it a shot. It is a numbers oriented course. And, you know, it was like, to me, my point there, where I think what I'm trying to make is like, and I think I draw a parallel to the way I take F your dreams is, you know, don't be so stuck in your dreams that you kick opportunities to the side that present themselves, right? So for him, you know, it's like similar with me, right? Like, oh, I'm good with numbers. Accounting might be an, a stream that makes sense for me. Like I, that, but it might've been, well, I want to be a math person and accounting is not really math, but it's kind of math. So I'm just going to ignore it and not take that course. So for him, it's like, oh yeah, you want to be a rapper and you know, that might be your dream at the time, but you've just found a scenario where you're really good. And maybe you need to put that dream at least on hold Mm -hmm. for you to explore this opportunity that might be drastically different in experience, like being a radio show host, but you need to explore it. And Mm -hmm. but if you hold onto your dream too hard, you're not going to take those opportunities that present themselves to Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, another principle um, that stuck out to me was PYP. Pick your passion or uh, poison or procrastination. So so he says that uh, no one is a victim of circumstance in life, no matter how or where you were raised. You can make this choice to live different. And so here he's talking about, you know, divine providence, right? What we call it. As Christians, we call it divine providence. And God places you where he places you and gives you the parents that he gives you, the body he gives you. And yeah, so... You are you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Which might suck. Yeah, and, and again, again, you know, you, you know, and you're looking at this from like the black psyche. So for some black people, it's like, oh, like frig, I was born black. Right. Therefore, um, I'm never I'm done. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So so again, self, the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, yeah. Where like you, you predestined yourself to something. So you don't even try to do something else. Right. But it's, so it, it's, it's pretty deep when, you know, Charlemagne is saying because, you know, Charlemagne comes from um, South Carolina. Um, he grew up poor uh, trailer park with white people. Um, so so he doesn't believe in white privilege because he grew up with poor white people. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he knows for a fact that's not a thing. Well, not for the. It's not a thing in that some people have privilege and yeah. some people don't, regardless yeah. of race. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's where he's coming from because he's like, I grew up with, I grew up in that situation, um, which was really good. And you know, even like theologically, I think about you know Jesus Christ um, was born in the hood. He was born in a rough neighborhood called Nazareth, and the saying about Nazareth. I, like so, you know, before people, you know, people say, you know, do or die, bed sty, never ran, never will, Brownsville. That's how people talk about where they're from. They're like, okay, well, I'm from this place. It's rough, you know. Where Jesus came from, people said, you know, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That's what people said about where Jesus came from. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus didn't. You know, he wasn't born. Like, you know, we know he was born. Jesus in, has a, God has a sense a of feeding irony. trough. Yeah, yeah, he's, he was born in a feeding trough. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he he wasn't. He's a king, but he was born in a feeding trough where where animals eat and poo. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he grew up rough. And the saying about Nazareth is that, you know, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And it's like John 1, 46. Yeah. And like um, Shobaraka said it. Well, he, he said he's like, you know, Jesus was the only thing good to come out of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Well, the only thing good that ever existed came out of Nazareth, mm-hmm. ironically. So so this was very um, I saw a connection theologically there where I'm like, OK, yeah, like I, I, I believe um I think that Charlemagne is right that um, no one is a victim of circumstance in life. No matter how or where you you were raised, you can make a choice to live different. So I thought that was really so, good. So, uh, I mean, when I read that, pick your poison, pick your passion, pick your procrastination, the one that stands out to me is like the peculiar is like, what did you mean by pick your procrastination? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, can you expound what that, what he meant by that? Like, because I mean, I'm I'm assuming he doesn't mean what, I would think it means because what I think it means is like, like procrastinate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like just being wise and and, mm. and, and, a, and a good steward of your time and, and you know, not so in essence, time. don't pick your procrastination. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you could pick know, it. it. No, if you're going to procrastinate, know you're procrastinating. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't do it unwisely. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're putting something on the back burner, do it intentionally yeah. as opposed to like, Oh, now I got to stay up till 4am doing my paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because yeah, it's so, due tomorrow at six yeah yeah totally totally <laughs> yeah no so so that that was one of the things that that stuck out to me uh about the book theologically as well 
Okay. And I think for me, the theological question comes into play is like, you know, how can Christians, like, I think some people as a Christian might think like, well, how can I learn from a non-Christian? Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like if someone gave you pushback being like, oh, I can't, as a Christian, I can't learn anything from this yeah, book because this guy's you know a what? sinner. Well, you know, and, and he's, a, you know, and, you know, he, he's foul. Like his mouth. Yeah. He's a potty mouth. Yeah. Um, not just he, not just in his words, but in his content. Yeah, and uh, you know, you know, he could be a bit smutty. Yeah, he's, he's a little. Grimy he could be a stum- yeah, he could be, yeah, he could be a stumbling block. So I'm not gonna tell someone those. I'm not gonna tell people like yeah, yeah man, start watching the Breakfast Club. Look, yeah, yeah, Breakfast yeah. Club. Ain't Take that everybody. in every day, bro. Take yeah. it in. No, 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 no you know what I mean. I got pastors hitting me up like, hey, man, what are you doing? Yeah. Stumbling, stumbling. I, I wait till he's interviewing someone that I care what they have to say yeah you like know, lecrae yeah but you know even like, then yeah but even then you know yeah. uh, uh, the christians can learn from charlemagne um in like for example he talks about accessing your pri- your black privilege and he says i believe in the power and privilege of god and god created me exactly how he wanted me to be and who he wanted me to be right so this is the 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 doctrine of um i look at it as the doctrine of common grace where god basically um shows favor to the believers and non-believers so when we talk about the doctrine of common grace we're talking about um god blesses people in varying degrees with um intellect um health wealth uh, skill lack of punishment yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and, 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 and this is what kind of throws the whole black privilege, white privilege thing on its head when you look at the doctrine of common grace because people will say, well, the privilege that we see white people have or that we assume they have, well, where does all, like every good and perfect gift comes from the Father lights, comes from above, comes from God. And so if whites have this these good gifts because we're not going to say the privileges they have are not good or else it wouldn't be a privilege mm-hmm. so yep. we're saying so we're saying the goods that white people have are good and the nat the the conclusion the natural conclusion is that came from came, god. came from god so does god love white people more than he loves black people and and i would say if you say yes to that you have well, a problem well 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 for the well for the black christian that's listening like, cause you know, for the for the for the black person who's not a Christian, they're like, ah, well, that's not. I don't care. All yeah. I know is this. But but for the for the black Christian, like our thoughts are bound by Scripture. Yeah. Well, and I was our, gonna say, are, do, are you a Christian first? Yeah. Right. That's the question. Right. So because if you're a Christian first, you can't hold that view. Right. So you can't say that God loves white people more than He loves black people. So this is where the doctrine of common grace clarifies. Why do mm-hmm. we see? Uh, Unequal Quite, outcome. Yeah, or, une- yes, unequal outcome. Why do we see that? Well, we see because God, um, in His, um, in His sovereignty, decides to you know share and give gifts according to how He chooses to give them. Right. So it, it, it's pretty deep, and I and I feel like Charlemagne hits the nail on the head and says, okay, well, you know, God gives privileges to everybody. Well, does He know about the doctrine of common grace? No. He doesn't. He's not. He's not. Yeah. He's not reformed he's, he's not quoting scripture when he says that. Yeah, he's not. But he's not. he's got a valid point that mm-hmm. actually is biblically sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even though he doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and and it's deep because yeah, because now you're looking at it 
from from that perspective as as a black person who is not a Christian and he sees it he's like well hold on God gives gifts to everybody he privileges everybody um he's like he's like there's there's sight privilege there's foot privilege right there's family privilege and these these are coins he terms he's coining he's like yeah like yeah, what's foot privilege you have feet oh yeah like you have feet like <laughs> you have, you have eyes. feet to walk yeah, yeah you have yeah. eyes to see so yeah. if you have eyes to see you need to make sure you use yeah. your eyes it, the best in of your contrast ability. to someone who doesn't right yeah. like, it, you know privilege yeah. i think the way we look at privilege at least i think you, what you're getting at is very much the way we look at privilege is a horizontal comparison right mm-hmm. it's always about like well compared to this person they have more or they have less mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know as a as someone who lives in north america you know if you take a world view anyone who lives in north america has privilege mm-hmm. right i mean it's this idea i think i've said it before on the show but it's like statistically speaking north america i think it's like 99% or 95% of the people who live in north america are in the 1% of the world okay, okay. from a wealth perspective yeah. and in that sense even if you're you know on welfare in north america you're still in the 1% which is like, uh, you know, almost like a, a conundrum to be like, how do I reconcile those ideas? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think. So I'll ask the question for you. Do I believe in black privilege? Oh, I'm probably reading your mind. Yeah, yeah. we've been doing this for long. Uh, yeah, yeah assuming, OK, yeah. I'm so, assuming I'm, so, I'm, I'm assuming you would ask me. So now that you've read the book, uh-huh. do you believe do you <laughs> do you think his concept or, or so I guess two questions. One is. What the listener thinks of black privilege, uh-huh. would you, would you say that he's that's what he's referring to, uh-huh. and or and second, do you believe in what he's calling black privilege? Uh, I would say. So I let me reshape the first question. Yeah. What what your initial reaction to black privilege was? Is, it doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. And so what does he define as black privilege? Oh, he defines black privilege biblically. In, um, in that everybody has yes. privilege of some capacity or yes. another, whether it's your intellect, yes. whether it's your you know athletic skill, whether it's your yeah. fa- community yeah. that you live yeah. in, the family that you have around, whatever it is, there's always an aspect where you have it better than somebody else. Yeah. So so yeah. So that, that that's what I totally so agree then, with. Do you... So even like even like culturally, because you know like you know not everybody's culture is the same, and and cultures produce unequal outcomes. Like that's the nature of culture. The nature well, of unequal outcomes so like for example i guess you know i'm thinking about it in in sports terms right not every team has different cultures that's why some win and some don't and you you know you watch you know you watch hockey and guys are talking about yeah man we need to change the culture here we need a championship culture here we have a losing culture here so so yeah like they're right yeah. Right. The, yeah, the the city or the organization has to have a championship culture. culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we talk that way. We're like, yeah, because cultures create unequal outcomes. Um, you know, well, so so Jordan Peterson always references when he talks about unequal outcomes. He uses this term idea. It's called Pareto distribution. Mm-hmm. So think of it in terms of basketball. Ten mm-hmm. percent of the players take ninety percent of the shots. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of like unequal outcome. Right, like there's there's unequal skill. So even and, and Pareto mm-hmm. distribution applies to organizations, meaning the decisions of ten percent of the staff result in ninety percent of the income. Mm-hmm. Right, like the right. guy who's cleaning the floor mm-hmm. at the the the, the store yeah. has, you know, his decisions 
make no di- like have a marginal marginal impact on how much that store is going to make mm-hmm. as opposed to the person who's making decision of what to carry in the store versus what not to carry in the store mm-hmm. what things to purchase versus not you know his the guy cleaning the floor it's important that the store is clean mm-hmm. but it's the guy deciding that when and how frequently the store needs to be cleaned not mm-hmm. the janitor who's deciding how or right. you know what tools he's going to use that are already at his disposal. Yeah. Right. So this idea of Pareto distribution is that like, there's always disparity in within an organization of those that do the work and those that cause the positive outcome. So uh, that's, yeah. basketball, I think is a great example because like, I mean, we are, we live in this like superstar, you know, scenario where yeah. like, if you don't have a minimum of two yeah. superstars on yeah, your team, yeah, right. you can't win a championship. Right. You know I mean? Well, Raptors, well, I mean, well, we had one. Well, and I would say, <laughs> we but, with one. But, but the Raptors probably <laughs> yeah, Raptors had one with, one with like, arguably three 1A superstars. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, and so Siakam you've... You, and Lowry, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you've also got, you know, a huge... Like, we just had an amazing, you know, support staff team. Let's yeah. call it. Right? So, like, whereas, like, you take a team like the Miami Heat when they ran with the three, yeah. you know, the big LeBron three. And them, yeah. But who do they have around them? Nobody, right? So, like, yeah. obviously there's variations, but the idea is, like, you need superstars. Well, come, yeah. You need elite players to do the majority of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so... You know that applies to all organizations and so as a result yeah you know the idea is that i think it's not like success is is all that's always the case when you look at a successful organization whether it's championship mm-hmm. teams whether whatever it is success requires people that are at the top of that you know organization or mm-hmm. culture or whatever it is family mm-hmm. that are just leading by you know extreme example but also doing the bulk of the 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 work yeah and i would agree so i would agree with charlemagne and he's saying that those privileges um that that are various among people and communities are given by god and that's what really hit me about the book that made the connection for me as a christian theologically and so for me the biblical proof i would give for the inequality and why you know we don't necessarily judge the political system or the government what you who you should be judging is god if you have a problem with inequality you should take that up with god so i so basically um i'm looking at matthew chapter 20 verses 1 to 16 and so the lord jesus hones in on the real reason we hate inequality so in the parable of the laborers in the vineyard a master of a house went out to hire workers to work in his vineyard they agreed to pay them a denarius a day so being the kind philanthropist he he was he went out and um, at four different times in the day to hire more workers for the day at the end of the shift, everyone got the same pay. Those who worked the full shift got what they agreed to. And those who um, worked less hours received what the master felt was suitable, which was a gracious sum of one denarius. So basically, you have people coming in at different times of the day and finishing at the same time and everybody getting the same pay. Yeah, so I mean, use today's numbers, right? Everyone got a hundred bucks. Some worked eight hours, some worked four hours. So your wage per hour is 
a huge inequality, but the, you know, the amount they got paid total was the same. Yes. So, of course, the workers who worked the full shift were upset because um, they worked longer than the others. And so Jesus, um, so Jesus is the master exegete, and he basically says that he gives the point of the parable in verse 15. So I want you guys to know, like, you know, I'm not making this up, but Jesus gives you the actual meaning of scriptures of, interpreting scripture. Yeah. Yes. So Jesus is the master exegete, and he says in verse 15, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So what he's saying is, um, we must ask ourselves the same question. Do we begrudge God's generosity to those that we think don't deserve it? So the rejection of the doctrine of common grace reveals sin in our heart, resentment to God, um, forgiving someone else more than us, and making them feel uh, guilty for what God has uh, blessed them with. You know, so these are the things that, you know, this is the principle um, when we talk about white privilege, we -hmm. need to wrestle with and saying, okay, well, God as the master in the vineyard gives everybody what he feels is right. And the people were mad at him. Like, think about like, yeah, of course, because the people, you know, they're like, oh, well, why does the white, why do white people have these privileges over me? Mm -hmm. Well, what's, what's the master's response? Right? The master's response is, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Well, and I think, um, you know, the, the, the point, if you look at like from a, a spiritual perspective is, you know, you're not looking at things between you and God. You're looking at things between you and another person. And, you know, it's that horizontal comparison that is to some extent problematic because I don't know the, the punchline that went in my head is like the grass is always greener on the other side. You, you also lack perspective in actually truly judging another person. Right. So obviously there's an, there's scenarios where people are just coming from money and, and there's people who have come from money because of unjust reasons um, corporate welfare. Um, but we won't go down that road at this point. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, though being, you know, envious or being, you know, having animosity towards somebody else because of what they have, it really, it's only hurting you. It's like that, I, the statement, it's like, um, Hatred is like eating poison and expecting the other person to die or, or unforgiveness is eating poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, you, you got to work on what's going to be best for you. Like as much as, you know, you might be just in considering, um, or you might be right in considering the other person doesn't deserve, you might be, but you, one, you really don't know because you don't have a full spectrum of this scenario. Most of the time, you're right. You're going to be ignorant to, to so many other aspects of that person's life. Like, how do you know that person didn't literally scrape for 10 years before they got to the place where now you're looking at them going, oh, they got privilege. But maybe they used to work 70 hours a week for like five years. And so they they busted their butt to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you knew that, would you really look at that person and be like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. That person doesn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they've worked twice as many hours as you over the last five years, potentially. And, you know, how can you begrudge that person when they've got twice as much as you? Yeah. They work twice as yeah. hard. And again, I, you know, Charlemagne does believe racism does exist. Um, and he's saying that, yes, you know, there are some situations that are difficult for black people because I don't want to take his words out of context. Yeah. Um, but he's saying, but there's still more to the to the narrative than just uh, broke, busted and disgusted. Uh, and in his book, he says. Uh, when all we can see is the privilege of others, then the biggest oppressor of black African Americans becomes ourselves. It might not be popular. It might not be a popular sentiment, but it needs to be said. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and at that point, I really respect Charlemagne because again, he's not, he's not, he's for, he's, he's a pro black person. He's, he is a five percenter. Uh, so he, so he, what's a five percenter? Uh, so a five percenter, uh, is, so a five percenter is someone who believes that society is divided into three groups. Uh, the first is 85% are blind to God and the truth. The second is the 10%, um, are politicians, CEOs, members of media. Uh, they know the truth and they try to keep it hidden from hidden And then the last 5% uh, know the truth that the black man is God and they practice righteousness. So, uh, you know, that's why they call, you know, black women are called, you know, earths and black men are called gods. So for those of you guys who used to listen to Wu-Tang back in the day, you you know, you always heard those terms about, you know, they'll talk about their mother as their old earth. Um, And then they would greet each other as, yo, yo, what up, God? What up, God? Um, and those, that kind of stuff. So, so, the, so he's a five percenter. So he he does believe um, that he is you know pro black in his thinking. But I, I that's why I thought this was really good because yes, it, you know, was people will say okay, well, no, he's not really for us. Well, no, he's for black people, but he's just saying. But there's more to the narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you know my biggest concern sometimes with the let's just call it race discussions is that so much of our conversation is focused on the the like a historical or 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 backwards looking as opposed to um perspective looking and saying how do we improve going forward or how do we create a a scenario that un that doesn't allow for bad things to happen as opposed to oh we just need to undo this bad thing right so that's why i'm saying oh if we look back and say you know take the concept of reparations right like it's all historical looking it's not perspective the the it's perspective in that it just it, it is almost so simple in saying oh well i'm going to assume that if we undo this historical bad things that all of the bad things that we exist today are just going to be gone and i think that's a highly ignorant position because um there's you know look at the the white man as an example where you know you've got trailer parks that are full of people that are white who have are in need Mm -hmm. like and we didn't have this you know slavery issue so bad things are still going to happen reparations aren't going to solve those type of scenarios look those happen you know as a result now 
So, so how do we resolve those prospectively? How do we look at the scenarios that we are in today and say, how do we make it so that, you know, people can take care of themselves better? Yeah. Right. Um, how do we look at the trailer park of scenarios and go, you know, what needs to change society wise, culturally, um, economically such that, you know, these people can be better off. Um, so yeah. 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 So it's, so he says, he says he has another quote in the book and he says, um, my own experience has taught me that believing in the privilege God has blessed you with can be the difference between winning and losing. That's probably why losers look at me like I'm Rafiki from the Lion King when I talk about black privilege. They think I'm crazy. That I'm a coon, a sellout. That what I'm saying can't be done. To that I reply, man, shut the f*** up forever with that pessimistic bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he doesn't have time for you. Right? Like, I mean, in essence, you know, it's, again, he's, I'm assuming that's the Debbie Downer type of uh, response. Or he's responding to a Debbie, as he, what he would call, well, I would call him Debbie Negative Downer, Negro. So. Yeah, negative Negro. Negative Nancy, Debbie Downer. Negative um, Negro. You know, so, uh, I mean, in, in essence, I would say for, you know, for the listener who, you know, would you say, oh, yeah, like, who, what type of a listener would you say should read that book? And, and two, um, you know, for, for a guy like me, you know, for the, for the white guy like me, who's like, uh, you know, my default position would be like, I, I would read it as like, presuming there'd be a little bit of autobiographical side of it that mm -hmm. I'd find intriguing because mm -hmm. I find people's story intriguing. Mm -hmm. Um, but beyond that, what would you say to like, you know, for me, if you were trying to sell me on reading it? Okay. It's a good question. I would tell you that, well, one, the book is very entertaining. Mm -hmm. Like you can't put it down because the reason why it's entertaining is because he's just telling you his stories. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they just telling you like real life story stuff that happened to him that you'll be like, what? Um, and it's funny and true Charlemagne fashion. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, you find yourself like literally laughing out loud because he's funny and he's telling stories. So it's entertaining in that way. Yeah. But then as you're tracking him from, you know, living in a, a um, trailer park, trailer park to where he is now, you know, um, New York Times bestselling book nationally syndicated radio show and his rise to to stardom um and even like his self-conscious like even like you know him and his having a low self-esteem growing up um so these were life lessons that he learned that that appeal to uh you know the struggles that we all all have had at one point or another in our lives so uh, that's why it's such a good book because you know he he ties in the stories with real um, you might say free market principles that led to his success. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, put the weed in the bag. Um, and one of know, his principles. Yeah, one of his chapters. principles. Yeah, you know, like talking about like, you know, earning your way up the ladder. You know, don't don't count your money before you've collected it all. You know, yep. internships. Yeah. You know, um, and, and so forth. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's why I, w I would recommend it to you and i feel like okay well for the christian you know of course you got to read it with discerning with some discernment um and that's where you know having a, a good biblical theology 
um, understanding of, you know, the terms that he's using and saying, okay, well, okay, well, this is divine providence. Uh, this is common grace. And making those connections and seeing how, um, you know, there are biblical truths and the principles that he's presenting. But uh, I'm not I'm not going to go and say, you know, like, um, you know, listen to everything Charlemagne <laughs> says. Yep. But um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was hilarious because, you know, I, you know, I, I love comedy. So yep. it was really yep. good. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for those people who are listening, for those people who are listening um, and. um let us know. Let us know what you think. Um, do you believe in black privilege? Do you believe in white privilege? Uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, God and him appointing privilege uh, and, and disparity? And, yeah, and what do you think, what do you think about uh, the exegesis I did of uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16? Um, am I, was, that, was that a misinterpretation? Um, and if so, you know, uh, or, or do you have questions or do you have, you know, mm-hmm. parts of the text you're like, well, what about this? Or, or, you know, um, you know, something else that, that doesn't sit right, right with you, you know, basically engage Darnell's exegesis, not just critique or, you know, mm-hmm. approve, but engage with it. Right. Like, because I think there's always room for more conversation when it comes to the text and, and our interpretation of it. Yeah. And, and again, like I could be wrong in, in, in misinterpreting the text. Um, you know, I'm not infallible. So yeah, please, you know, hit us up, let us know. You know where to find us, Six Sense Report on Twitter. Uh like, subscribe, share, you know, promote us on uh, you know, give us a uh, a rating on iTunes, give us a comment, you know, on on whatever your um your podcast app is. Uh definitely helps get the, you know, more likely for that podcast catcher to to promote us. Yeah, it gets the it gets the movement moving. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh oh, and uh Homework assignment for Darnell. Give you know, feel free to get, promote some books you wanna want our feedback on. Uh, not just Darnell, but yeah, Joel as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let but, us know. Yeah, um, let us know if there's something you want our feedback on, or, or a book you want to hear, you know, want us to read, or if you think we might have already read it and you want us to do a show on it. Um, you know, definitely, we're we're open to suggestions. Yeah, and remember, don't believe the hype. Read the title. <laughs>